Welcome to Smart Casual, Image's first fashion podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village, dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, fashion director Marie Kelly. And me, Nevo Dunhu, Image.ie's digital leader. And me, Image Publications digital editor, Dominique McMullen. In our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're three women across three decades with three very unique perspectives. And unique ways of approaching our personal style. While fashion is always thought of as being visual, we at Image think it's much more than that. Personal style is about how clothes make us feel, the impression they create in the world and how they express who we are. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to fashion. And we certainly love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. This week, we're talking dapper dressing, how our style is inspired by Benswear and the joy of getting dressed up with nowhere at all to go. We seem to be a little bit afraid to delve into truly dapper dressing here in Ireland. We'll be pondering why that is and how our style has been influenced by male tailoring and masculine styling a little later on. Our guest this week, very appropriately, is Mr. Darren Kennedy, who is going to be talking to us all about how he's made dapper dressing his own. But first, what caught your eye this week, Neve? So... I am really excited for the, probably the first time in my life, for Halloween. I really am excited to dress up. So it's it's not something that I really ever do. I think when you're in your 20s with Halloween, you go through phases, you, you feel like, oh, you're too mature to dress up as somebody else. Like, I don't, I don't need that. I'm just going to not take part in Halloween at all. And so I've thrown all my inhibitions out the window this year and decided that I am going to dress up. Um, and I absolutely cannot wait to be somebody else for a couple of hours. Who are you going to be, Neve? I, <laughs> I am going to be Glamity Jane. So she is going to be the glamorous cowgirl you've ever seen. So expect loads of sequins, loads of fantastic bits and bobs. But no, I, I do you know what? I'm pulling the reins back. <clears throat> ironically <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. I am pulling the reins back a bit because it's not actually a Halloween costume so it's a bit more personality driven um, insofar as I'm wearing everyday pieces but I'm just turning them into a bit of a, a, a costumey so I have um, this the most amazing crystal uh, embellished kind of gilet cropped gilet that I got in Topshop Boutique um, and it's it's really western inspired and then I have a beautiful like western hat that is actually just my everyday hat um, and I have beautiful vintage Levi's so I'm actually just taking loads of bits from my wardrobe that I already own and just putting them together and to be honest I will probably wear this around town after Halloween say, it's actually very like <laughs> now it's very fashion totally on trend yeah. totally on trend I mean, if Ganny can do like it, it I can do it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dominique? Uh, so this week I've been actually just adoring Jamie Lee Curtis and watching her. She's been going around promoting Halloween, um, which is smashing it in the box office, which is also brilliant. Um, but she has been really dressing just phenomenally well. I feel like she really embraces her kind of edgy coolness uh, and masculine, masculinity or a masculine kind of side with her crop and suits that she wears, which is a really unusual kind of style for women over a certain age. You just don't see that that frequently. And I just think she looks brilliant. Um, she wore a red and Alexander McQueen suit recently and that pop of colour with these big, dark, um, black rimmed glasses. Just I just, I want to be her when I grow up. She's so cool. Another woman who wore a suit beautifully 
was Lady Gaga, which I think everybody read about at the L uh, Awards, a big oversized Marc Jacobs suit. And when she spoke about why she chose to wear the suit, she said, I decided today I wanted to take the power back. So oh, today I wear the pants. That's quite chilly. Fabulous quote. Isn't so powerful. Amazing. That's a fabulous quote. Yeah. Love and I that. thought with us talking about masculine dressing today, it was a... A really just amazing quote. Absolutely. Um, and I saw Jamie Lee Curtis as well. And I think she was wearing a blue velvet suit um, when I saw her. I'm not sure which city she was in. Um, but like you, I just thought she's so unapologetically herself. Yeah. The really short grey hair. You know, she's aged beautifully. Yeah. She doesn't look like she's had any sort of work done. You yeah. know, beautiful, natural laughter lines. Um, full of personality and really making the red carpet her own. Mm, exactly. She's just, I just... You know, you, you don't see that frequently, especially in Hollywood. Women of that age that are just so natural and powerful. And I, do, I, I think she's just a phenomenal woman. She Agreed. really is. Yeah, totally agree. What about you, Marie? Well, kind of in, you know, in the same vein, I guess. We, my head was in the same space as yours in terms of thinking about masculine dressing and masculine chic um, for our conversation this week. And firstly, I guess Meghan Markle caught my eye um, on the Royal Tour in Australia, um, as she did many people's, I guess. And I thought um, there was one outfit which she wore, black denim jeans, a white shirt, a blazer and just a pair of black suede boots and she just looked again so understated so appropriate for the day you know moving around on her feet but also so non-traditionally royal which mm. I loved you know you don't often see a royal and think oh she did masculine chic very well and I thought Megan, you know she stayed true to her own style because you would see that vibe you know through her style anyway before she was a royal and she's really stuck to it and really made it appropriate for you know a royal visit and I just thought she looked fabulous and it's a perfect example of how to do masculine chic I think mm. so. It must be really hard as well to keep your own style when I'm sure she has teams of people like asking her to wear things, telling her what to wear, advising her what to wear. I would totally agree. And I think she's been very clever because I did read that uh, one of her friends in Canada actually helps her. It's, it's sort of her, her unofficial stylist, okay. I think. And I think she was quite clever just using a friend who obviously knows her very well, knows where she's comfortable, yeah. instead of sort of just employing someone to dress her as a royal, which yeah. is, you know, she wants to be herself. Yeah. And then, herself first and then a royal. I, I love guess. that she's kind of reigniting our love for just plain white shirts and blazers mm. as well because I think uh, there's an association that we have with white shirts that if you wear one, you're kind of, maybe you're working in the service industry or, you know, it's part of your yes. uniform as opposed to your everyday wardrobe. And yeah. she just does it brilliantly. Mm, I agree, for sure. So the accidental icon who is an older woman I follow on Instagram, and I think I've mentioned her on this podcast previously, and she's pretty amazing. And she also embraced modern masculine chic beautifully this week. Um, and there's a sponsored post on her feed. Um, she's working with uh, Maison Margiela perfumes, and she's wearing a double-breasted tan jacket and a pair of gold palazzo pants, yeah. big hoop earrings, and she's got her very sort of definitive cropped hair and she looks just incredible um, and again you don't often see a woman of that age I think she's in her 60s mm. dressed in in a way that you'd expect to see a 30 odd year old mm. dressed you know um, so modern so contemporary masculine but not looking like a man yeah. enough enough femininity there that it just worked really well and I, I think she really is an icon she's absolutely fantastic yeah, I've been following her since you recommended it and I have to say she's just amazing. Isn't she? <laughs> yeah, she is. 
And also while we're on the topic of menswear, I have to say that in Kildare Village, who are our sponsor, uh, they have fantastic menswear options down there. Um, Hugo Boss, Savoy, Taylor's Guild, Armani, Brooks Brothers, to name but a few. So a shout out to our sponsor. Absolutely. And interestingly, last week, uh, was it last week or the week before? Last week, wasn't it? I interviewed Ingrid Hoey and she was saying that actually she used to wear menswear an awful lot mm. when she worked for FX Kelly um, in Dublin many years ago. And actually, there's a lot to be said sometimes for actually going into the menswear department and having a look when you're a woman. Absolutely. And that brings us really nicely on to what our topic for the week is, which which I said earlier is kind of dapper dressing, which you might think meant we were only going to talk about how men wear men's clothes. But actually, I thought it would be really interesting for us to talk about how, or I certainly know how I occasionally wear men's clothes. And I know both of you do phenomenally well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In a different, very different way to me. Uh, I, over the years, kind of in college and then also um, even in the last kind of even few months, I borrow shirts and jumpers from my dad or from my uh, husband. And I don't wear them in a masculine way. I always wear them in a very feminine way. I'll wear a big oversized shirt and then... I sometimes will wear like a swimsuit underneath and leave the buttons way open and kind of wear them with jeans to do a kind of a... Nice. What I think is a kind of a sexy thing. <laughs> it's probably not, but it feels like that to me. Um, or a belt around a nice big white shirt uh, and kind of use that to kind of, you know, make a masculine look very feminine. I, I love that mixture of mixing a very masculine piece with a very feminine piece that they kind of clash against each other. I think it's a very fine balance though between the masculine and feminine divide and I think that's where a lot of women struggle. They're like, okay, I have this oversized blazer but how do I make it my own? How do I accentuate, you know, the curves of my body without being drowned in loads of material and big bulky shoulders? And it's actually incredibly easy I mean, but like you do it very well. Well, I I've grown up with three brothers. I only know boys' hand me downs, and I I only know you know ill fitting suits and trousers. Um, my mom tried desperately to get me into lovely girly things because I'm the only girl, uh, and I was just obsessed with running around and being a tomboy. And my brother's clothes were were perfect for me. That was, of course, until I became a, a young woman and realized that I had to start dressing. For me, as opposed to for my brothers, uh, but my mom is also um, a seamstress, and she used to work in uh, menswear. Um, and then after that, she moved into making uh, communion dresses. So there's, there's, it's always been in my house. And if something needed needed mending, it, it was done in an instant. Or if something needed to be tailored or brought in or or tucked up, it 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 was always done. And um, I'm very I'm very grateful to have come up around that as well because it means then if I do go into one of the high street shops and I decide to buy a shirt that's actually two sizes too big and definitely for a man I can bring it home I can nip it in here tuck it in cut the sleeves maybe make the shoulders a bit bigger Um, and I really enjoy doing that and I think more women need to actually experiment with it as well and and have a bit of fun with it I think it's you know it's definitely amazing to have your own personal tailor and and I was very lucky as well my mother was a seamstress so you know anything can be done and I think women you know struggle to find a place that they trust enough to to bring clothes to sometimes you know I would always go go on a recommendation but it's interesting because my wardrobe would be has always been very heavily influenced by menswear and by masculine tailoring but I was not a tomboy at all when I was a child it's really interesting hearing you say you were a total tomboy I wasn't at all like not remotely but yet from I guess from my teenage years I just 
I felt much more comfortable in trousers and I felt much more myself in in more masculine tailored clothes. And I think part of it is maybe I was very influenced by sort of old Hollywood movies when I was growing up because my dad is a big movie buff. So we were brought up on, you know, fabulous, glamorous old Hollywood Mm. movies. And what I found was as I got older, I was actually more drawn to Catherine Hepburn, Lauren McCall, um, Marlena Dietrich, than sort of maybe Marilyn Monroe or any of the sort of ostentatiously glamorous um, film stars. And I just, I loved their point of difference and I loved how they made menswear look feminine. And I think I was very heavily influenced by them. And I guess, as I said, from my teens then, I just found myself in trousers a lot and wearing blazers a lot. And interestingly, even today, I tend to feel more feminine in masculine clothes than I do in a dress. That's so interesting, isn't it's it? It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think there's anything more like cool and that word again, sexy, than seeing a woman in a suit. I just think it's some, there's something really... She looks very like assured and like self-aware and yeah. she knows she knows her path and her direction in life and even if she actually isn't and you know she's having a mental breakdown she looks the part and yeah, it's you control. want to aspire to be in control is a really good way yeah mm-hmm. and you you do you want to aspire to be like that and I think that's what a suit does give you um, is that sense of being in control um, and confidence I agree I wonder if it's because of those masculine associations is why you feel like you're in control when you're in a suit possibly and I do think as well there is something on, on you know very much a subliminal level though that you're a little bit exposed or, you f- you know, you can feel a little bit exposed in a skirt or dress, you know, yeah. if, if, you know, bare legged underneath, you know, if there's a bit of a breeze, you know, you're kind of watching your skirt or your dress, whatever. I think trousers just feel like such a sturdy kind of anchor or something. I feel very kind of yeah. solid in trousers. I'm, I'm not... I don't need to check that they're sort of not flying up in the wind or, or whatever. I mean, I I just feel a bit more um, anchored in, in trousers. But I definitely think I look sexier in trousers than, than I do in a dress. And like you sure. could run, you know, you can or run. climb a tree. Exactly. Or, you know, exactly. Or exactly. Exactly. Sign, sign the dotted exactly. line for your business agreement or whatever it is. Like even those like big power moves, I feel like you can do with ease when you're in a suit. And actually, I have to quote Catherine Hepburn here because she, uh, there was a wonderful line from Catherine Hepburn and I think it was, uh, if I'm if I'm correct, um, every time a man tells me he loves to see a woman in a skirt, I tell him to try one. Yeah. And I loved that. I just thought that was, that was it. You yeah. know, it, it, trousers tend to be just easier and more comfortable. For me, anyway, that's what I feel definitely. I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more, I feel like I'm a little bit more like propped up when I'm wearing a dress or a skirt or something. I feel so much more relaxed. And I think, again, you know, trousers have always come with pockets and there is something very nice and relaxing Um to be able to just put your hands in your pockets if you're standing on your own somewhere if you're oh, if you're at totally. an event on your own and you've got hand, you've got pockets to put your hands in there's something it, it's, it just it's a makes security you feel, blanket it is a security yeah. blanket mm. and it's interesting because so many more dresses and skirts now are coming with made with pockets which is amazing because I'm almost at the point where I won't buy anything if if it doesn't have pockets because I value them so much not just from a practical sense but just from that sort of they're they they give you confidence having pockets to put your hands in kind of gives you confidence and I think men always had that yeah, yeah. but even from um, a fashion week perspective I actually started um, my fashion journey in menswear so I used to write for 
MFI Men's Fashion Ireland. Um, and to be honest, I think that's where my first passion came from, from growing up with three brothers as well. Um, and I started going to, to Men's Fashion Weeks over in London. And there was a different sense of awareness when you're at a men's versus women. And it's almost like the women, they make more of an effort to outdo one another because they're not confined to wearing a suit, but they, they don't really throw dresses or skirts into the mix. So they're seeing what they can do with like a scarf or a hat or how they can accentuate it in, in a way that's that's different. And it's really striking to see because it makes you also want to to peacock and put on your best garb and, and see if, you know, if you can get spotted by all the photographers. And it's also, it is the, the great sense of confidence that they have as well. Like they just look like they have it all. And the wonderful thing now about you know, suits, menswear inspired, menswear inspired clothing for women is that it, you know, Neve, you're a perfect example. You've got suits in every colour from pastel pink to, you know, earthy green. And mm-hmm. I mean, they come in in amazing colours and textures now. So, you know, it's not like it used to be sort of yeah. 15, 20 years ago or where... like five years ago. I yeah, like probably. Real, you know... You'd get a navy or a pinstripe or yeah. something. Um, but now, I mean, just... It's huge you, amount available. Jacquards, florals, pastels, amazing colours. I mean, I think it's so much easier now for women to feel like themselves in tailored clothes yeah. because the colour palette has broadened and the texture isn't... And that's the thing as well. Like, if you are looking for a suit, you don't need to have a bespoke suit. You can buy off the rack. Um, But if there's one piece of advice I can give is that a well-fitted suit should be the answer to all of your what do I wear today questions. Um, And if you are in doubt as to, you know, will will that Topshop or Dunstore's suit be, be perfect, you just have to try it on. You have to see, does it fit? comfortably does it drop at the shoulders is the arm length correct does it need to be tapered in at the leg and the thing is if it doesn't there are so many tailors small tailors as well as like the bigger chains of tailors that are so obliging and happy to like alter it completely to suit your body shape do you both get lots of your clothes tailored no, I don't get an awful lot. I do, um, as I said, my mother's a seamstress, so yeah, occasionally she can do anything that I need. But I'm quite lucky enough in terms of in terms of the high street. I tend to be a fairly standard size. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a huge amount of, of trouble in that regard. But I would say just on, on the back of what you've said there, Neve, like when you're buying a suit, I think the key things to watch out for are that the shoulders fit correctly mm. and that the bum is not too baggy. Mm that it fits nicely around the bum and on the shoulders. Yeah. Because that's where the tailoring, I think, is really, really important. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, I have to get everything tailored. But it comes handy because I can just go to Mammy O'Donoghue. Exactly. You're both so lucky with <laughs> your Very lucky. I never take that for granted. No, me either. And to be honest, it's actually given me a kick to, to be able to equip myself with those skills and it's also very calming. People are like, oh, do you want to go out on Friday or Saturday night? I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm actually altering my trousers at home. Oh my God. <laughs> I you washing your hair. <laughs> my husband actually does my bits. Oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. I know, everyone's always so Find shocked. you a man that can do both, I huh? And now, he, now, don't get me wrong, he can't tailor something mm. but he, like, if there's a hole in something, he can he can sew it up to a little patch. And, Fabulous. Yeah, it's going to kill me for saying that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why worried. because we've got like huge respect for him now. <laughs> Incredible. Look at you. Yeah. What a find. Yeah. So, guys, um, do you have a favourite menswear piece in your wardrobe? 
I do. I, I actually have a few, but um, I have to give credit where credit is due because um, my lovely partner, Jake, has really opened up my eyes to menswear in a different way that I never thought previous. Because obviously I've, I've three brothers, but they all come from, you know, football and ga backgrounds, whereas Jake brought something entirely new to the mix. But uh, luckily, we are both the exact same size. Um, so we genuinely will share shirts. We will share trousers. Um, I have no problem with sticking a belt on a pair of trousers that might be like an inch too big for me. Um, and it's it's just, it's a fun way to expand your wardrobe without without going a bit too too masculine or too oversized. Um, and I, I think in the start, like I remember wearing one of his suits out or one of his shirts. And um, when I said where it was from, they were like, oh, is that, is that not men's? And because it was such a striking colour, it was fuchsia. So they instantly thought that it was a woman's. So when I said it was a men's shirt, they were like taken aback. Um, but I think that's the beautiful thing about about dressing for today is that the androgyny is is everywhere. And men can wear pink, women can wear blue. And what I was saying there about, you know, the, the sort of um, women's wear clothes that are inspired by men's wear, the, the palettes that they're coming in, the same applies to, to men's wear. There's a much more feminine sort of palette running through men's wear now. Totally. So and it even makes if, it much easier to borrow, I guess. It, it definitely does. And even if you look at um, some of the catwalk designers now, they're actually taking a lot of influence from men's wear designers. And even some of our favourite, even our favourite Irish designer, uh, Sharon Wochub, she has now moved uh, completely into men's where um, for the first time ever she's actually one of the first female tailors on Savile Row which That's is right. in- incredible um, but it'll be really interesting to see how uh, that influences her female collections going forward as well for sure mm. Dominique mine I was thinking how lucky you were to have that for, to be able to steal from to your, your wardrobes yeah. you've got two I know, wardrobes no, I actually do feel a bit lucky because even yeah. if like I want to grab like a different jacket I don't have to go out and buy one I just go upstairs I steal stuff as well I mean my menswear any of my menswear stuff is stuff I've stealed from from Rory but he certainly wouldn't have fuchsia shirts <laughs> they're white shirts big white shirts that's basically the only but you love a white shirt and you wear it so well a white shirt also the occasional like big oversized kind of cashmere is one or two really nice cashmere jumpers and you know that oversized like feel with a nice then kind of skinny jean and see I think that's a really sexy look as well love that it. kind of so sloppy good. sexiness yeah. I think it's really modern I love that yeah. it's really really nice what about you Marie? I think my favourite um, menswear inspired piece is actually the quintessential um, black tuxedo jacket which I bought mm. I literally bought a, a, a really good quality one about 12 years ago I still have it it's still perfect I don't think I'll ever have to buy a black tuxedo jacket again and I love it it just and for me when I am wearing a dress and I feel maybe a little bit too like feminine I just throw that over it and it and then I just go yeah this this is me now Start, you, start to feel like myself again. When you're ready to pass that down to someone else, <laughs> I'm waiting. When I'm, when I'm about like 80, knees, I'll think about it. <laughs> Try it from her hands. <laughs> well, that leads us really nicely on to our interview this week, which is with Mr. Darren Kendi, who I'm going to be chatting to after this. You're listening to Smart Casual, Image's first fashion podcast in partnership with Kildare Village. So I am sitting here this week with Mr. Darren Kennedy, who is going to tell us about how he has made dapper dressing his very own. Um, hi, Darren. How are you? Hiya. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, really good. Delighted to be here. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you for coming. Um, so, Darren, I was looking yesterday at your amazing career 
history. If you want to talk us through briefly what it is you've done and where it's brought you to where you are today. I think briefly is the key word there because <laughs> it is a little bit like an encyclopedia of jobs starting uh, with cleaning toilets and various different things that aren't very glamorous. Um, I guess just to give you the broad strokes, I always wanted to work in TV. That was my passion. I was I grew up in on the north side of Dublin in Santry and I had no connection whatsoever to media, to anything like that. My, my dad worked in the airport, hence why we lived in Santry. And I was like, I wanted to work in media. I was just drawn to it. And I think back then, which looking at it now, God, when I was in school and kind of considering career choices, it's almost, dare I say it, about 20 years ago now. And really, you only had RTE in Donnybrook. I didn't even know where Donnybrook was. So to say that it felt like a closed shop is is, you know, is not an exaggeration. I had no idea even how to get to Donnybrook, let alone how I would get my foot in the door, even if I found my way there. <laughs> so uh, we had moved into a new house and I remember one of our neighbours who'd also moved in was a guy called Alan Hughes, who had recently started working with a new channel uh, that we all know now as Virgin Media. Back then it was TV3. And I remember saying to my mom, I'd I really want to work in TV. And I was talking to my guidance counsellor. And at the time he said, go and study communications in DCU, which actually my school is on Collins Avenue and there was a hedge between my school and DCU. Mm. So for a couple of reasons, I didn't want to go there. I'm like, well, A, it's not exotic enough because I'd be like going to school every day. Um, and B, there was something in me that just said communications is not the right... Uh, topic for you for me to study mm. in the sense I've always had a good feeling on what I'll be good at I've always pursued what I felt I'd be good at and enjoy and that's kind of given me direction and I some something told me studying communications wouldn't be a success for me and mm. um, so I didn't go down that road but I knocked on Alan Hughes's door because that was <laughs> Uh, easier uh, and I knocked on his door and I said hi I live my name's Darren I live in number one um, these are my dogs because I was walking my dogs I said I really want to work in TV could I have a chat with you wow. and in fairness to him he said sure no problem and I got to know Alan and then from that he introduced me to the producers of Ireland AM mm. and I became a runner so a runner basically is a dog's body on any production and I mean that in the nicest sense but where you make guests coffee and you do what's asked of you, basically. Mm. So I did that for about two or three years while I was in uh, college. I used to go out with Alan at six o'clock in the morning or half five in the morning. He'd drive out. I'd do my bits for the show. The show came off air. I went into college. So I didn't do um, communications in DCU. I did international uh, business and languages because I love languages. I've always had a passion for languages. And I kind of thought, you know what, follow that because I, I think, you know, I can talk. Uh, and that's kind of the first kind of tranche of my career. And know. it's brilliant for at such a young age for you to actually know, you know, to have that strength of character, to know what you wanted to do and know what you wanted to follow. Has it always been fashion or was it, did that come later? Or was that it came media later. first? That came later. Do you know what? It was ne I, I kind of did a process of elimination. For me, I've always kind of felt, well, let's just see mm. and just do. So progress over perfection doing things, feeling how it goes and finding my way and kind of sniffing things out and following my gut. But I read something recently, actually, which I completely disagreed with. And it was uh, it was in one of the newspapers how, you know, our students having to have part-time jobs is such a distraction from what they should be doing and they should be focusing on their studies and learning. And I actually went, do you know what? I fundamentally disagree. Mm. Because 
How many people do you know who studied something and they never go and use it. They go on to a completely different path. And for me, actually, the practical side of things and learning to do whatever it is, but do it well, was so much more valuable. Absolutely. I think I learned more as a waitress for all my waitressing jobs than I did my entire time in college. Absolutely. And you <laughs> underestimate it, right? You underestimate kind of the skills you learn, even from just interacting with someone, yeah. dealing with a difficult customer. Yeah. You know, all those things which are, um, in a sense... Uh, so much more valuable to everyday life. And don't get me wrong, because I'm a massive proponent of education. Mm. And, and you know, uh, college for me was literally, you know, it was where I grew up. Yeah. It's where I met some of my best friends in life. It did give you um, a standing and I guess a, a basis for everything else that I've gone on to do, um, which is a loss. Yeah. I'm skirting around the issue here by telling you <laughs> that I was a runner. <laughs> um, and so tell me, was fashion always something that was important to you? Were you always aware of what you were dressing like or did your career impact your, the way you dressed? I know it's always been something that I've been in tune with. Yeah. And I never in a million years considered it as a career or as something that I could make a living out of. Never. Never even entered my psyche. Um, I was the little kid who went to the shops with my mother and would be in the changing rooms and had an opinion. Whether she liked it or not, I was like, get that off you. I wonder on what she was wearing, you had an opinion. Oh, brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, like literally. And I do have a very vivid memory of being in pennies when I was about, I must have been about six or seven, and being in the changing rooms. Because, of course, you know, I'd be, most kids get dragged to the changing rooms. I was like, no, mom, come on, we're next. You know, (laughs) throw yourself in there. And having a very strong opinion on what I thought worked and what I thought didn't. Mm. Again, I had no concept of this is something that I would pursue or have a career in. Never. Never even crossed my mind. Never even knew it was something you could do. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, that kind of, even throughout college, was never something that I figured. And I started working in TV. So I was presenting radio shows. I was doing various different things. I was started as a researcher. And I was working on all these TV shows like Operation Transformation, um, Show House, uh, the, the list goes on. I did a lot of kind of production work. And it was after the third series of Operation Transformation. So I did the first three series. Mm, and it's a right. beast. And I was uh, a producer of the whole online side of things. Okay. So I, that was my baby. And then by season three, I was reporter with Jerry Ryan on air, God rest his soul, and presenting on the show. And I remember at the end of it, going, it's such a beast and there's small teams. You would literally be working 70, 80 hours a week. Gosh. And the nature of that gig is you get a pat on the back, go, job well done. And then you start from scratch looking for your next gig. And I remember after the third season kind of going, oh, no, it wasn't the second season. I was like, I need to do something for me just outside of work because I feel it's all consuming. I was like, what would I like to do? And I was kind of considering my options and I was thinking it's either going to be interior architecture, garden landscape or fashion styling. Okay. It was one of those areas that I was passionate about. And I remember at the time thinking, well, I've just done four years in college. I'm not signing up to another three or four year course. I'm just not. And again, it's like, I want to get out. I want to start like making my mark. So I, fashion was the road of kind of the, the easiest path at that time in yeah. the sense of I went over to Central St. Martin's, did a few courses, never intending to kind of follow it as a career, just to do something for myself. Um, for my own kind of passion yeah. and 
here we are. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's brilliant, though, to follow a passion. I think a lot of people actually who get involved in fashion, it's like that for them. They don't expect to and they're just following something they're interested in. And before they know it, it's a career. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, and it was very, you know, it was very uh, fortuitous in the sense that the worlds of fashion and media obviously collide. They're they're not completely separate at all. So yeah. it was kind of became a, a virtuous circle. So yeah. by season three or series three, I should say, season's very American of me, isn't it? <laughs> or cycle, by cycle three of Operation Transformation. <laughs> Hi Tyra. Uh, <laughs> it was um, it was kind of one of these things where I was producing, I was presenting, and then by the time we got to the transformation of our candidates, they were like, "Oh, Darren, will you style them?" Amazing. I was like, "Yeah, not a bother." <laughs> so I was like flipping hats left, right, and centre. Yeah. But it was great. Yeah. That's what you need to do in media, though, don't you? Like oh, yeah. wear all the different hats. You have to be a jack yeah. of multiple trades. Well, I won't say all, but multiple. And yeah. um, when we were having a chat about you earlier, we were commenting on how beautifully dressed you are all the time. And I'm wondering when you're saying, um, "You're welcome." Looking at what I'm wearing now, going, "Oh my God, am I letting her down?" It's wearing a beautiful <laughs> <laughs> brown jumper. I wasn't fishing there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we were wondering, um, and, and listening to you now saying that it never even occurred to you to go into fashion, do you think that that's perhaps because of the decade that you grew up in and also because of being a man? Do you think that it's kind of different for men now than it was then? That personal style is more, you know, there's much more depth to it for men now and it's much more um, acceptable almost than it would have been even 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, I think the landscape has changed dramatically. I think, um, I think you know, I grew up in a time, I'm an 80s baby, and so obviously 80s, 90s, I was a little bit different from my friends when I think back to it now, because I had a brother who's five years older than me, Jeff. So by the time I was 13, he was 18, he was already working, he was he was into style as well. I mean, it is kind of in our family because my parents love their style. Oh, do you think? Yeah, and I look at pictures of them on the walls from, from the 70s and they just look, you know, they look amazing. What kind of style were they? Oh, well, my I think they've had everything, but my mom was kind of Farrah Fawcett, to oh, be honest wow. with you, and like beautiful kind of textured. Uh, she had a rabbit for a coat, which I wouldn't be into these days for obvious reasons because I'm all about, you know, animals. Of course. Um, but it just looked beautiful and like flared trousers. And my dad was a 70s... My dad was a bit of a 70s icon and my dad worked in the airport. So while, you know, he was building up his career and we didn't have lots of money to splash around, he could get cheap flights. So he used to fly to London and go to the markets and get his Doc Martin boots and all the gear that you couldn't get here in Dublin. Very cool. Uh, yeah. So he was really into it. So I guess that that was in your family. In us. Yeah. So we always knew to take care of ourselves mm. um, and that, you know, you you wouldn't. You know, it's a self-respect. You would never go out looking estate, really. Mm. And um, my brother, anyway, so was five years older than me, and he would spend money on like, and he was all into you know the girls, <laughs> as, as you, any eighteen-year-old chap is, and he'd buy his Levi's five hundred ones. And I, I remember this purple paisley printed shirt, which I loved, and he used to as well buy Fahrenheit as well, Dior Fahrenheit. Right. So I was a little bit of a. A younger brother. And so my brother would be off doing his thing, working, earning money. And I would decide, oh my God, this is so much fun. I have all these clothes and aftershave to play with. (laughs) So I would pop on his Levi's and his Paisley print shirt and douse myself in Fahrenheit, like literally having no concept of less is more. And then sashay out to my friends who were in like their tracksuit bottoms or they're in their, their football jerseys. They'd be like, hi, how's it going? And they'd be looking at me going, where are you going? I was like, 
nowhere. We're hanging out here today, aren't we? Just like on street corners. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, my brother's home at six. So five to six, I'd dash home, take all the clothes off and do a change. And then all hell would break loose when he'd go to put on and he could clearly see that I had been wearing them. Um, so I don't even know what the question is. Oh, They're just amazing. reminiscing about what I used to wear. <laughs> but you're, I mean, you're, so style always has been important to you. It's always been something that's been present in your life yes but absolutely yeah. and that's the thing so the, the point there being that there was a time and I do remember picking up pick, picking up on it um, where you know especially kind of the late 80s the early 90s guys who looked after themselves either were gay or had notions mm. it's kind of it ah who's your man think he is he's got notions or he's gay uh, I was gay but that's not the reason why I was into fashion yeah uh, or maybe it was <laughs> is that too cl- cliche <laughs> no it is and I think it is it's you know and it's great to see that we've matured and that Irish men have really come into their own and you look and you look around now and and, and guys not only do we have an, so many more outlets mm. obviously the internet has revolutionised everything mm. because we're not just looking at our peers for inspiration or for what's acceptable yeah um, and I I think the the modern man, the man of 2018, realizes that actually taking pride in your appearance is all about self-respect and what you're saying to the world and what you you know it's 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 communication. It's about saying who you are, what you believe in, and where you see yourself going. Mm. We always talk about in this podcast the importance of like using your wardrobe for confidence and to empower you and to kind of almost as armour a lot of the time. It so, is. Yeah, that's obviously something that you believe in as well and that you think men should be using more. I think, and especially like when you put on a suit, yeah. you know, a really, really well-fitted suit, if you can get it tailored to you all the better, you just feel bulletproof. Yeah. Um, I mean, it even goes to your grooming regime. It's, you know, you get up in the morning and it's taking those couple of minutes to mm. which I think women have, you know, it's quite funny. Women have had this uh, experience for such a long time, obviously yeah. with makeup and and whatnot. It's a couple of minutes for you every morning, and that's what I say to guys. You know, it's not about a complicated uh, regime. It's not about setting aside a half an hour of your day because that's not realistic. I don't want to do it. I can imagine most men don't want to do it either. And you know, modern day, we've got the demands of family, you know, work, internet, whatever. It's like two minutes, mm. just me time. And you also feel good in the process. And, you know, 80, if not 90 percent of how you feel comes from the inside. Yeah. But actually taking those few moments every day to, you know, if it's just put a bit of moisturizer on, fix your hair, whatever it is, mm. makes you feel good about yourself. And it's not about vanity. And I hate this expression, but it's more about self-care than mm-hmm. it is about anything else. And self-respect. And self-respect. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done styling particularly then? Yeah, I started career? off. Yeah, I started off when I kind of entered the world of fashion. It was as a stylist. And I set up a website called Help My Style. It was my calling card. Ah. So I set up a business as a personal stylist. Um, and that snowballed. And then all of a sudden the website was doing really well. And I'd established a blog. And this is 12, 13 years ago now. And I noticed the blog was doing really well. So I repositioned everything mm. and it became an online magazine. Right. So you're like one of the first original kind of influencers, eh? Yeah, the first bloggers anyway in that sphere. <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing how things snowball. Yeah. And then I used to do personal styling clients and I still have one or two to this day who've been with me the whole time. And I don't do any more because I just don't have time. But mm. I that's what I really enjoyed because you're helping someone shift their whole mind frame and it's a confidence lift. Yeah. And do you notice the difference between styling men and styling women? Uh, yeah, women um, women tend to invest more time in it and look at it almost as a bit of pampering. Yeah. Whereas guys, it's it can be coming from a place, or at least it's it's shrouded in a much more functional 
kind of Get it done. necessity, but they really enjoy it too. And I think men probably end up getting uh, more from it. Well, as much, if not more from it. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. There was this one lady who had called me and she said, listen, she sent me an email and then she said she'd like to talk to me about a personal styling uh, session. She's gone back to work. She's just after having her second child. Um, we arranged a phone call. She worked in a very male-dominated environment. It was tech. She was sales. She was pretty much the only woman on her team. And I got this impression of this woman who was very down in herself, who had lost all her confidence. She had had two children. Her body wasn't what it was. And she was nervous. She was so nervous about going back to work. And I met her, arranged to meet her. And I had this vision in my head of what I was coming to meet. Mm. And I rang the doorbell and this woman opened. And, I, you know, she was an absolute knockout. Beautiful, beautiful figure. Okay, it had changed from what she was before. Mm. But, oh, my God, she was this gorgeous hourglass figure, sallow skin, beautiful woman. And, again, it was all about just giving her the confidence to get back out there. And, ultimately, I've kind of looked at my career and you said there very very early on, I've done lots of different things and I continued and long may I continue to do different things because I thrive on it. Mm. But kind of at the core of everything that I do is people yeah. um, and, you know, connecting with people and, and hopefully in some way helping people to live their best lives because that's what I thrive on. Absolutely. And I think that's what fashion really does for a lot of people. It gives them such confidence and strength and yeah, it's a powerful tool when it's used correctly and yeah. powerful when it's used not correctly as well. It can be incredibly <laughs> disparaging and an awful thing when it's uh, when it's when it's not used in a nice way. Um, you talked a little bit there about tailoring and the importance of tailoring. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? I mean, we, we were talking again a few days ago in the office about Irish tailoring um, and how there isn't as much of a concentration in Ireland or in Dublin on tailoring as you think there should be um, and on suits. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, I think, I think you know, when you look in the Irish perspective, particularly something like tailoring, um, which is having a massive boom at the moment. I know business is good for Irish tailors. Mm. Um, we kind of have, there's been a massive shift because obviously you would have had a lot more tailors maybe even 100 years ago. But that's the nature of the high street and how the high street has changed. Yeah. So then when it comes to kind of tailors who do, uh, you know, medium to high-end tailoring, the market in Ireland is small. Yeah. And even the market in the UK is relatively small. I mean, you've got Savile Row, yeah. which is actually quite a small street. And then you've got all your other tailors around there, but it's looking at the, the scope of the market. Um, I think what we have in our, I mean, you've people like Louis Copeland who have been in the business for I think over a decade, over a century now. It's a family business and they do amazing, uh, really, really nice tailoring. And obviously they've built up that that history. I think tailoring is kind of one of those spaces where it's one of the few areas where women have borrowed from men in fashion. And really, there is no replacing Mm. a well-made suit. No, for a man or a woman. For a man or a woman, exactly. And, you know, obviously, you know, the trends and the fashion over the past couple of years for women has has borrowed a lot on, obviously borrowed from the boys, borrowed from your your husband and all that. It's kind of slashy fits. But also the tailoring and then relaxing it. So it's kind of taking the rules and softening on this. Mm. Um, And I think really, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was like, obviously... You know, I wonder how my style will be in 20 years time. Yeah. And will I be describing myself as a classic kind of guy? And then I look at tailoring. I mean, tailoring is classic for 100 years. And I think in another 100 years it will be because that is the fundamentals of the basics of, of, what, yeah, and of what makes something a classic. 
It's yeah. timeless. Yeah. And you wonder, well, I'm, I was thinking there when you're saying in the past, women have borrowed from men, but maybe in the future you'll see men borrowing from women and we'll see, you know. I think we will. I mean, yeah. why not? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a cultural thing as well. I mean, obviously, you know, in in, in our part of the world, it's men wear trousers mm. and women will wear dresses, skirts and sarongs or trousers. But there are other cultures where men also wear sarongs and, and various different things. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a fairly brisk day today. I wouldn't fancy <laughs> wearing a skirt. I'm not going to lie. I am wearing bare legs in a skirt and I have to say it was very, very cold. <laughs> this it's a brave morning, move. I took it's a, a brave move. Yeah. And, and Darren, you have just launched your grooming line. So yes. obviously you think that men should be looking after themselves, that there's an importance there. Tell us a little bit about your line. And I've always thought men should look after themselves. I think everyone should look after themselves. And again, you 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 hit the nail on the head there, Dominique, earlier on when you said it's not about vanity. But actually, there's a little bit of vanity in there. We all care about our appearance. And I think for anyone to deny that is, is in denial. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a little bit of vanity. Now, I think when things flip over and, you know, I am not into this super manicured, super preened look, mm. uh, you know, a Geordie Shore eyebrow wouldn't be my bag. <laughs> Mine neither. <laughs> no, you know, there's a limit. And I'm like, on so ma- I don't know what it is. I've got a bushy eyebrow. I think you'll agree. I've no monobrow, but I've got a thick eyebrow. Yeah. Over the years, I've been offered various eyebrow treatments, which I've declined, thank you very much. I'm quite happy with my eyebrows. For me, they're a bastion of my masculinity. And I'm quite happy in my masculinity. You've got um, great, great eyebrows. Oh, though. listen. she listen. <laughs> I wouldn't have any other eyebrows. <laughs> um, so I think when it comes to grooming, it, again, it's that whole thing. It's it's as much about feeling good and protecting your skin for the front from the elements, but for the future. Mm. It's starting now, future-proofing your skin, but also taking time. And I'm a firm believer, and I guess one of my mottos in life is that life is the occasion. Mm. It's not about waiting. And I think it's typical Irish thing. We've all grown up, I know certainly in my household, we had the good room. Yeah. We used a good room maybe twice a year. And, you know, I think some houses took it a step further where they plastic on the sofa and all sorts of things. And you kind of go, why don't we use the good room now if it's so good or you've a suit why leave it there for a wedding or a funeral wear it and break it down and likewise it's like you know some guys might keep their skincare for the day of Mm. a wedding or a special occasion no I hate to break it to you that might never happen Uh, embrace now because you know and I try and live my life in the moment as much as I can Mm. even though we're so much of, of kind of Modern life is not, it's disconnected. It can be a challenge, but I try and embrace every day. That is a really nice note, I think, to leave it on. <laughs> life is the occasion. Live your life. Live your life. Thank you so much for Thank you me. so much, Darren. It's lovely having you. Thanks. My pleasure. This episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes.